Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 720 of the Juicebox Podcast. Erica Forsyth is back today. You know Erica. She is the licensed marriage and family therapist who also has type 1 diabetes. Today, Erica and I are going to be discussing a, a few ideas ranging from, I don't want to tell you. If I tell you, you're going to think they're boring and you're not going to listen, but it's a great, I'll tell you anyway. I trust you. You'll listen. We're going to go over magical thinking, cognitive dissonance, and choice myth. There are ways that your brain works that you might not be aware of. And it impacts how you think about things, like diabetes or anything, really. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes and you're a U.S. resident or are the caregiver of someone with type 1, I would like to ask you to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry, fill out the survey. When you're done, you will benefit people living with type 1 diabetes and support the Juicebox podcast. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Today's episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by US Med. Go now to usmed.com forward slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. When you do that, You'll be getting a free benefits check to see if you can get started with U.S. Med. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. If you're in California and in search of a therapist, check out ericaforsythe.com. Good morning. It's fun to, to hear your voice and talk and connect. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear from you again, and um, and I'm happy you're getting your knee taken care of too. Oh, I, you know, it was such a hard. You know, it's I realize it's a never a never a good time to have knee surgery, and it's fun like, thinking about you know the another choice myth that you had mentioned. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been living in that zone of well, I know everything now, but should I push it off till winter break when there's not as much going on, and you, you know. I'm like, I'm going to miss this, this, and this if I do it now, like the conference, but I don't know what I'm going to miss in the winter break, you know? So yeah, there's um, no good time. <laughs> oh, I know. And you, you just had your, you had a meniscus repair. Yeah. So, um, and we're recording just so you know, that's oh, okay. okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I just woke up one day and it felt like someone hit me on the inside of my knee with a hammer. And I was like, and my knees have been like creaky and, you know, clicky for years uh -huh. so i tried for a month to kind of rehab it on my own i was like this is going nowhere um i wore a brace and then the brace started to take the pain away and i was like uh-oh there's some instability in there somewhere i went to my guy uh -huh. who fixed my shoulder and he just bet it's funny they they know what they're doing he like grabs it moves it around a little bit he goes yeah he goes you got a, like a meniscus tear and I was, like, I was like, is that what you learned in college? That's amazing. You know, because it took him like four four <laughs> seconds. You know, he goes, well, right. we'll have to verify it with an MRI. So I went and did the MRI. And um, he's like, yeah, it definitely is. Don't worry. He's like, we're just going to poke two holes. He goes, I'll be in another 20, 25 minutes. I'm going to clean it up for mm -hmm. you. It's going to be great. And he's like, you're too old to fix it. I was like, well, that, that doesn't sound exciting. What do you mean? You can't fix it? <laughs> 
And he goes, yeah, we can't fix it. We'll just clean it up. And he goes, but I don't see any um, arthritis. He's like, this is great. Real super easy. So I go in. I get the Jackson juice. I mean, gone. You know what I mean? Just, (laughs) I'm out. And uh, next thing I know, he's standing over me. Went great, Scott. Um, There was some arthritis in there. We'll talk about it at the appointment tomorrow. And then he just walks away. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Guy in the office three weeks ago said that that there was not going to be a problem like this. So it turns out the interior part of my knee is just was like arthritis and the t- the tear in the meniscus, which was worse than he thought it was, by the way. And then the, he goes, but he goes, the outside of your knees like looks like you're 20 years old. I was like, I am not comforted by anything you're saying. Right. You know, and then day after the surgery, he says, so you're probably going to need a knee replacement five, 10 years. And then I go through the rehab uh-huh. and everything. And I say, you really think I'm going to need a replacement in five or 10 years? And he goes, Ah, maybe not. And I'm like, would you guys just say the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, you know, like, <laughs> she goes, ah, there's no way to know. And I was like, six weeks ago, you were like, definitely five to 10 years. And now there's no way to know. And he said, uh, and he pulls up his pant leg and he's got ice on his knee. He goes, I just got mine done yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, who, no did, who did your knee? And he goes, oh, my, yeah. my partner. And I was like, should I have gone to him? <laughs> right. He's the guy you went to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's just, but it was, to be perfectly honest, I mean, the rehab from it took, I was on my feet in a couple of days, no problem. And I don't think I used the crutch for more than like 36 hours. And even that I was kind of pretending to use it. The rehab was easy and it feels a million percent better now. So I don't know how long Uh, it's going to last. You're obviously in a different situation though. Yes. um, Yes. I'm at full knee replacement. And that's a whole long story, too. But I'm yeah. glad to hear that your rehab has gone smoothly. Is yeah. That, and I think they can't predict, you know, because they don't know how you what wear and tear you put on your knee, really. Well, I was going to say, you were an athlete in college, right? I did. I played volleyball for, you know, 20 plus years. I did not have any known injuries from playing volleyball, but then got into um, hot yoga and had a meniscus tear. Uh, about 10 to 11 years ago. Interesting. That's yes. very interesting. Okay. So anyway, so we were looking for something to talk about today. And because of your injury, and we're going to be, you know, <laughs> there's going to be a little gap in time between I see you. I didn't want to start on the series that we're thinking about yet, because it would have been weird to start it and stop it and start it again. Yes. So I sent you some ideas that I find interesting that I don't particularly understand as much as I'd like to. You're okay talking about this stuff? I am. I am. Yes. They're, yeah, they can be kind of challenging concepts to fully understand, but I think they're really important cool. to, let's, to know and talk about. Let's give it a shot. Do you have any particular order you care that these happen in or no? No. I think the order that you wrote down or however, whatever comes to mind first. Okay. All right. So I started with um, the idea of magical thinking. Yes. Right? And it's funny when I when I think about it, I just think it's something that People have an idea about, a thought about, et cetera, and then they just think there's some sort of like causal effect between how they think and what happens. Mm-hmm. Is that a, is that basically right? Yes, yes, and I think it can. There are varying levels and degrees of how like either serious or connected you are to that that causal link. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's often helpful to talk to explain it with examples, um, but I think that definition is good. That yeah, your your beliefs, your ideas, your actions, 
your internal world can somehow influence or affect the events of your environment or the, the your material world. Right. So that they use the term magical thinking, but it's also it's kind of superstition too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what are examples you have that that could paint a picture for people? Uh, I think one of the the easiest that we often believe in childhood are, you know, making a wish when you blow out your birthday candles mm-hmm. that that might come true or throwing coins into a fountain um, that, and making a wish as you throw the coin in the fountain. Those are maybe like positive, hopeful ones. There could be either negative superstitions like stepping on a crack or having a black cat cross your path or walking under a ladder. Those might, then you might believe that that's going to cause bad luck to happen. Um, those are kind of childhood superstitions or types of magical thinking that are pretty common and normal and and playful and fun. Um, And sometimes those can carry on into adulthood. Um, And I think at some point it can become problematic, which we can get into um, if you're noticing that it's really impairing your your functioning and your mental outlook in life. I'm going to give you an example. Okay. We're at what ended up being my son's last game of his senior season of college baseball game's not going well they're gonna lose and i watched adults people who have by my estimation good jobs who own homes who i've seen make rational decisions about things over and over again who i've had long conversations with and who seem very reasonable i started watching them do the craziest stuff from talking to mm-hmm. themselves under their breath when their kids were hitting, to changing their seating position, to mm-hmm. move, I watched people move their phones from pocket to pocket, and I thought, oh my God, everyone's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, wearing the same jersey or the same hat. Oh, Erica. In the same position, yeah. Erica, where did this person go? They moved to left field because the last time they stood in left field, their kid got a triple. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, I, I, I watched a, I watched a, a person like not striking themselves hard, but like softly pounding on the side of their head while their kid was hitting. And I was like, mm-hmm. "What is happening right now?" Talking to themselves. <laughs> Here's why they lost the game. In case any of them are listening, they started the wrong pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> not because he didn't wear the same jersey. Yeah, I don't want to give the kid up, but it is the wrong choice. And so, um. <laughs> So that, that's why they lost the game. They started the wrong pitcher. That was that. But my goodness, people shifting around in their seats. It was just, it was fascinating. They all thought that they were about to impact the luck that was happening on the field. When, Which meantime, baseball is not luck. It's it's kind of like, it's, it's, uh, it's controlled chaos. It's randomness that once mm-hmm. in a while works in your favor. And, you know, and, and, and everyone tricks themselves into believing that they figured out the thing to do so that the randomness breaks for them more frequently. And and my best example that's still wrapped around baseball is how people talk about it. If you win a game, you know, uh, I don't know, if you win a game 5 nothing, you go into the dugout, you say, oh, my God, we hit great today. But if you lose a game 5 nothing, you don't say, oh, we hit terribly today. You say, wow, they really pitched great today. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like, you didn't win... No one wants to take credit for losing. They only want to take credit for winning. 
Yeah. And I think that you're, you're trying to have maybe either some semblance of control um, in it. Yeah. As you said, he kind of in contr- controlled chaos environment. Right. Um, and or it's just a simple, you know, hope belief system that you're, you're wanting to do anything you can and believe in anything that you can to hopefully have a positive outcome on a situation that you don't have control over as, yeah. as a parent. Right. So <laughs> is that is that magical thinking if I get up and move to left field or is it also a tiny bit of confirmation bias? Like, well, I did this last time and this worked. And then let the magical thinking take the thought to the next step. Is that possible? Well, I think it's it's reinforcing. Like every time you do, I think going back to like every time you throw a coin in the fountain and you make a wish and that wish comes true, that's reinforcing that bias or that belief that, oh, this actually works mm-hmm. for yeah. me. When maybe, it, you know, it, it doesn't have any bearing on that outcome or that wish that you made. Right. Um, Oh, I think you yeah go ahead. It's fast it's fascinating and and you you said earlier like it's not really very harmful like I don't care if people go stand in a different place at the baseball game mm-hmm. it's meaningless to me. But can that get to the point where it's at an OCD level? Yeah, I think you know as you're thinking about magical thinking and superstition and that's all fun and games so to speak as a child and even into adulthood with the sport theme that we're talking about I think and even it, it can be positive when you're thinking about, um, you know, the power of positive thinking, if you have, you, you read and learn about the power of positive thinking for people who are diagnosed with cancer. And while there's actually no direct um, evidence or research that the positive thinking has a direct causal link to reducing the cancer or, you know, prolonging your life, it does have a positive effect on your management of stress. And then that they can they have said it helps you heal better and yeah. re- and respond to treatment all that so that can be a really positive if your belief system is well, if i think this way and i manifest this thing in this way then it's going to happen mm-hmm. um i think if it, if you're thinking about it in the opposite direction of oh my gosh i i thought badly i had a bad thought about a family member or a friend and then something bad happened to that family member or friend, then you're placing blame on yourself because you had that thought. I think that's where you, there's a slippery slope getting into um, maybe pe- negative pattern, negative thinking patterns. Okay. Or you, th- you might be controlling, you think you're controlling outcomes when you're actually not. And eventually, yes, it, it can become, it can develop into maybe OCD behaviors or with more severe anxiety where if you think about you're trying to control outcomes and if I worry about this and anticipate this bad thing happening, then maybe it won't happen or maybe I won't feel as bad when it happens. And that be, that can become really problematic. Yeah. So it, it, interesting because then if you, if you use this kind of way of thought in a, in a bubble, like when it's just about you, like I'll mm-hmm. be positive about this and, you know, sure the positivity is probably not really going to affect my, my knee healing faster, but mm-hmm. it will make take my stress away. And if I'm not mm-hmm. stressed about it, that actually will help my knee heal faster. So there's mm-hmm. no no harm in just seeing the high side and and you know hoping for the best and that kind of stuff. It's when you're when you're thinking if I do this thing, then a different human being on the planet is going to have a different outcome. That's um that I mean to me that's it's just such a strange idea. Like I don't understand superstition at all. 
and, and by mm-hmm. by understand, I mean like I've never had a superstitious thought um, that that lingered with me, and mm-hmm. it's um, and when I see other people have them, it's fascinating to me. It it really is. Like there there are actual things you could do in in some moments to help things, like real things, and instead you're busy. And you know I'm bringing all this up because because. I think it relates to diabetes and and what ends up happening to people is if you have these feelings already and then you or your kid gets diabetes, you could get stuck in a situation mm-hmm. where you're now making poor decisions when there are better decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you know, kind of get stuck. Yeah. And I, and you can take it all the way out to the end, you know, the, to the biggest thing. Somebody sent me an article the other day. Gosh, I think it was from Australia or New Zealand. Whereas another family's been arrested because their kid got type one diabetes and they said they were going to let God take care of it. And, you know, Mm. obviously without insulin, the kid died. Yeah. Right. And so that, that is the other end of it. It's like, we're not really talking about it because I don't care. Listen, people's religious beliefs are, are their own. And I think they're wonderful. And I have literally no trouble in the world with anybody's religious beliefs. But when your religious beliefs get in the way of you giving someone insulin, then you know, the outcomes are pretty predictable. I actually think that's what killed Prince. Givokypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto-injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to givoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givoglucagon.com slash risk. Hey, guess where I'm getting Arden's Dexcom supplies from now? Yeah, it's not the place I used to get them from. Not the place that would send me a thousand emails, but never the supplies or leave a bunch of voicemails on my answering machine, but... Never get me the supplies or make me call the doctor's office instead of them doing it the way they said. Not that place. That's not where I get them from anymore. Now I get them from US Med. USMed.com forward slash juice box. Here's some things that US Med does that you may not know about. How about they've acquired an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau or that they accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers? Did you know that US Med will always provide you with 90 days worth of supplies and they have fast and free shipping? They carry everything from the Freestyle Libre 2 to Arden's Dexcom G6 and everything in between. They are the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor, and the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. How about that, huh? USmed.com forward slash juice box. Or if you don't like the internet, call 888-721-1514. You can get your diabetes supplies the way we do from US Med. We're going to get back to Erica right now and my story about Prince, which may or may not be true, or perhaps just something I heard one day. Anyway, don't forget to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Fill out the survey, support people with type 1 diabetes, support the juice box podcast. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Links to t1dexchange, links to Dexcom, Omnipod, 
US Med, InPen, I'm forgetting people now at this point, Contour, Next One, Blood Glucose Meter, all, all the sponsors are in the show notes of your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Am I not wrong about that? Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak to that for certain. Okay. So <laughs> let, let me, let me, uh, listen, I'll tell the story. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But okay. um, my ex, my understanding was that Prince's religion precluded him from having his body cut open. And so oh. he instead medicated his pain and, you know, the drugs got him one day. So wow. the, the idea was he could have had a surgery that would have relieved his pain. He wouldn't have had to take all these pain pills and it might have changed the course of his life. But because of his his belief, which, you know, again, if it wasn't going to put him in the situation he was in, it hurts no one, it, not even mm -hmm. him. But I don't know. I just, you know, at some point, there's just there are just so many times I see online, my kid's blood sugar is really high and someone will come in and say, I'm going to pray for you. And I think that's wonderful. Like, I, I think that's lovely. I mean, these are two disconnected people who don't know each other. One of them saying, look, I can't do anything for you, but I will pray for you. That's, mm -hmm. that's terrific. My worry is always that on the other side, somebody might be thinking, oh, well, this person's prayer will take care of this when mm -hmm. you need a bolus or something. Right, you know right, I mean? right. Yeah. Anyway, um, what happens when you see somebody who has has have these thoughts? Do you try to help them with them, or how how would you go about it? I think most often, um, when someone is in my office, they've they've kind of maybe arrived at the place of their anxious thinking has the the magical thinking has developed into anxious thinking in terms of I am so nervous about the either the future or something bad happening whether in the diabetes world i'm so worried about you know having complications or having a low and and there yes there are things that you can do to prevent to to protect prevent all of those things um but there are also if the anxiety is so consuming where that's all you're thinking about all the time, right? So you're, you're having difficulty sleeping. You're having difficulty staying in relationship um, with, with friends or family because that, that anxiety is, well, if I just, if I worry about it and think about it all day long, maybe that'll prevent that bad thing from happening. Yeah. Um, and so that's when we would look at, you know, what are, what are the triggers? What are some ways to kind of reduce the frequency of those, of those thoughts um, and, and then practicing some coping strategies to reduce that. But I think that that's where I would work with somebody. Mm -hmm. And when that, the prevalence and the persistency of that anxious thinking and that it really is kind of magical thinking kind of blown up, mm -hmm. right? Um, if I just, if I worry about it and, and think about it all day long, it's not going to happen or it's going to reduce the pain of when that bad thing does happen. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, I know a person, Eric, I know a person who lays the groundwork for something to go wrong months in advance. It is a, uh -huh. it is a part of their personality. It's, it's fascinating. They lower the bar so far that anything that happens looks like success. And then that's how they keep themselves, you know, in the, in the situation they're in, but they, I don't, I, the one thing I can't tell you is if it's conscious or not, 
But you know, if if I don't know if the you know if a, a holiday is coming up six months from now, mm-hmm. they'll start telling you why they'll probably be busy or why they can't get there or why it's going to go wrong or why they won't be able to afford a gift or what they just they they lay out this this runway of reasons so that in the moment when the failure happens, which I guess is how they're seeing it, um, that no one's mad at them. Maybe you just made me think about it differently. Like, I always thought they were lowering expectations, but maybe they're trying to protect themselves. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a protective mechanism because either either you're thinking, if I worry about it, this this possible negative outcome, then it'll protect me when it happens because I've always wor- I already worried about it so much. So when it does happen, it's not going to feel as painful, which is that's a lie, right? That's a cognitive distortion. Mm-hmm. That you're that the anxiety is telling you um, that if you worry about it, either it won't happen or you won't feel as much pain when it does happen. Okay. So then, the next thing on my list was cognitive dissonance. Yes. Um, is and that is what you were just referring to, correct? Um, well, cognitive distortions are a bunch of different kind of lies that um, and belief systems that can develop cognitive dissonance. And these are like big words um is actually is the feeling that the kind of the stress or emotional or mental discomfort that you experience when you're two different either belief systems or behaviors have are are in conflict okay Um, and i think to i think going back to the examples might be the most helpful to yeah please explain what cognitive so cognitive dissonance is it's important though to know that that isn't it isn't the aftermath it's the it's the feeling the mental discomfort when two conflicting beliefs or values or attitudes occur and so one example is i think the easiest example and the most kind of challenging is smoking somebody likes to smoke and either however they've gotten there they like to they like to smoke cigarettes but the they know that the smoking can is harmful to their body and cause cancer. Mm-hmm. So you're you you're either addicted or you have the pattern and you like to smoke, however often or not. But then your so that that's your action. But then the your belief is, oh, but I know this is causing my har- harm to my body. So then you're in that space of cognitive dissonance. Okay. I think same thing with like you could apply it to diabetes. Sorry, go ahead. Were you gonna? No, add? no. I'm I'm just I'm trying to make sure I, I'm I'm following along. So okay. In 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 like a small way, um, I've heard people say, uh, like like they're using a Weight Watchers app, for example, mm-hmm. and they they actually. I mean, you're the only one that's aware of what the app says. You're the only one that's aware of what you've eaten, and they lie to the app. So yeah. the, the and that's an example of this, right? Yes. Well, that is your, that is the, um, you're changing your action to reduce the cognitive dissonance that you're experiencing. So they, they ate five cookies, but, and, but they're on a diet. They're trying to be on a diet. They ate five cookies. So now they're in cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. They're feeling emotionally discomfort, emotional discomfort. And so to relieve that dissonance, they're going to lie to the app to reduce some of that discomfort. 
Wow, that's interesting. So it, I'm going to give you an example from my life and tell me if this is right or if I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to put a square peg in a round hole. So I know a person who chose to vote in a certain direction in, 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 a, in a federal election. And then they got their candidate and then the candidate did something that they didn't want to happen. And so initially they spent a lot of time on social media saying, you know, you have to vote for this person. You have to vote for this person. Then, you know, that happened and they were all happy. And then the thing happened, this law got put into place Mm -hmm. and then they come out and they say, I can't believe this happened. How can we let this happen? And I looked at it and I thought, this is what you voted for. Like, this is the thing you, like, this was going to happen if you voted, right? And mm-hmm. I always <laughs> thought, as I looked at it, I, I have to admit, my 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 hot take was, uh, they didn't understand the impact of their vote. But now you're making me think, they knew this was going to happen, and now this is them protecting themselves. Like, I needed to vote for this person because of... I don't know, any number of reasons that I agreed with, but there were a couple of things I didn't agree with. And now that one of those things came true, I need to distance myself from that somehow. Is is that? Yes. Yeah. Or, or blaming. So that's kind of the, that is the result of the dissonance they might've experienced. Okay. So they so know they, their they made vote the dis- yeah. led mm-hmm. to this thing mm-hmm. and now they need to let the world know they're not okay with this part. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that is, yeah, it's, it's so, it is a complicated notion. I think in that moment, they're, maybe they're feeling guilt or regret about voting for that person mm-hmm. because now, and so that, that guilt or regret about voting for that person or feeling embarrassed, that's the dissonance. Yeah. And then they're going to either, you're going to change your belief or change your behavior to reduce that dissonance. Right. And, and in this example, I'm obviously trying not to make it a partisan idea, but in this example, this is a thing, you can all trust me, that was very obviously attached to the candidate. It's it's not like it's, oh, okay. it's not like the 17th thing down on their list, and they're like, I can't believe they made all the parks close at 10 o'clock. Like, I didn't know that was going to happen when I voted for them. Like, this was a thing that, that four-year-olds were going to know was going to happen if this person, you know, got into power. Uh, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I always yeah. just assumed, like... I don't know. It's funny. I always just assume stupidity, but now I'm thinking that this is the same thing I was talking about with the other person who lays mm-hmm. the groundwork for protecting themselves from feeling badly. Boy, this is super interesting. Yeah. I think most often we are responding, whether we're, we're blaming ourselves or blaming others or trying to change or lie to ourselves or lie to others. You're, you're, usually acting out of that discomfort within yourself because of the your the action that you had is is in conflict with your belief system and then you have to reduce that discomfort okay no. and then and then you see kind of different so if we're going back to the the smoking example to reduce that dissonance that they're feeling every time they have a cigarette, even though they, they enjoy it, but they know it's bad for their body. Then to reduce the dissonance, they're going to say to themselves, if they're going to change their belief, they say, well, it's, I only, I only smoke once every other day and that's, I'm, I'm not going to have any damage to myself. Mm-hmm. Or you change the behavior because the dissonance has become so severe and you stop smoking. Yeah. Do you think, generally speaking, I, this is one of these questions you're not going to like. I already knew it when I was thinking it. Um, 
Do you think, generally speaking, if we look at the masses, like uh, taking everybody into account, that statistically most people aren't going to change, right? So because you have to recognize it, it has to intellectually make sense to you, it has to emotionally make sense to you, you have to search out help or make some kind of like tough decision for yourself. So, so generally speaking, I mean, listen, I, I'll relate it back to the podcast. I think if you listen to the podcast, your A1C is easily in the sixes, maybe in the fives if you try harder. So by that, you know, let's say that's true, then all everyone living with insulin has to do is listen to this podcast and they're going to be okay, except we know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and so these people who are, are involved in these kinds of, of thoughts, they're torturing themselves. Like, is there not a, a humane argument to be made for just lean into it, smoke all the cigarettes you want and die earlier? But that might be better than torturing yourself and living 10 more years, like, like because at least they're not going to be you know, mentally tortured by this thing that they know they're not supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be doing. Like, I don't know, like, is am, is what I'm saying is live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse. Is that like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think eventually you, you will ultimately have to make that decision to say, you know, forget it. I'm, I'm going to live my life. I like to smoke and I'm not going to keep this battle up every time I have a cigarette. Right. right? I think ultimately you, you will make that decision mm-hmm. and just say, Oh, I'm, it's not going to happen to me or I'm not going to think about it. I'm fine. Um, and I even, think, yeah. Even to take it out of the health realm, I've seen mm-hmm. people do it with homes. They, they, they have a home and they say, look, I'm going to spend the extra money I have on living and this house is going to fall apart around me. And when it's over, it's not going to be worth anything to me. I'm not going to be able to sell it and make a bunch of money, but I don't care. I'm going to put my I'm going to put my my money where I want it to be. And and they're okay with it. And they're the kind of people who the, if you speak to them, there's no they're not embarrassed. They 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 don't care that their house is the one on the street that looks like it's, you know, <laughs> the monsters live there. They really they don't they don't care. They're good uh-huh. with the decision they've made. And I'm wondering I want, I'm wondering what the what the trade-off is between not torturing yourself and just being okay with it. And, you know, sure, you might lose on the back end, but in the moment, it might be much more pleasant for you. Now, not to say that, by the way, there's a balance. The guy could spend some of his money on the house and some of his money on him. Or you could, you know, try harder not to do the thing that you don't want to do. Um, but But I guess in the as I'm listening to it, the sad part of this is the torture part, the part where people mm-hmm. are, 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 are doing that to themselves. And I guess the, if you could, uh, if you could impact one aspect of this whole thing, that would be step one in my mind. Do you, or is, is making that choice of how you're going to live. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that, so that everything you do isn't painful. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, them and that would be the most ideal. I think we're, I know we're talking about like bigger issues, but this can happen, you know, on a day-to-day basis, making a decision of you don't want to miss out on going to a party or doing something that you think might be fun, but ultimately you don't really want to go, but you do it anyway, because of either pressure or you feel like you should go to the party. Um, And then you go and you get there and you're feeling discomfort because you're like, why did I go? I didn't want to be here. Um, so I think then then you make that decision of, okay, well, am I going to you know, shame myself for going? Am I going to stay? Am I going to leave? You know, that's, 
that's the aftermath of the dissonance. So I think these things can happen very, they're small little quick moments of decision-making all day long that we have. And I think what you're, what you're encouraging is, can you be in a place of just being grounded and listening to your gut, so to speak, and responding and then being kind to yourself, whatever you decide. Yeah. Just whatever you did, you did. And that's it. We'll do it later. Like you'll try again if it didn't work out the right way. But, but so many people get caught in a, in a loop. Yes. You know, the first, the first, the first thing, the first decision they make that doesn't go well, they just, they just keep reliving it instead of just letting it go. And, And I hate this. Like I'm a fairly, um, I'm a reasonably controlled person. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not an out of control person, I guess. And, and yet I would tell you that nothing really matters all that much. Like if you don't kill somebody, hurt somebody, um, there's almost nothing you can't rebound from. You you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, Erica, do you have a, a, do you have a code you live by? Oh, I don't, I don't think I can have a specific code or mantra, but I think knowing that you are, that I'm loved and to be kind to one another. And, and I, and I preach pretty loud and clear of being kind and gracious to yourself to yeah. oneself, to myself, you know, as we go about our lives and offering that to others, yeah, that, I, you know, equally. Mm-hmm. That just makes sense. Do you? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was young, I mean, everyone knows, right? Like I didn't grow up like with a real, like, uh, you know, with parents who were like, here's the rules. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the the mm-hmm. rules were listen and we're broke, you know? So try not to eat that today, save it for tomorrow. So <laughs> I, so I stepped back and I thought I need something to follow. Like, like an idea to follow, right? And there's no, I don't have religion, so there was nothing there. And I thought about mm-hmm. it, and I thought about it, and I said, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm not going to hurt another person. I'm going to treat people generally the way I hope to be treated, and I'm not going to lie if I can help it. Like, that, those, that's mm-hmm. what teenage me came up with. And I have to be honest with you, works out pretty well. Because most mm-hmm. of the time, turns out you don't have to lie. You know what I mean? And and what do I mean if if I can help it? Here here's a great example. This happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> My wife ordered a bench for the house. It came in a box. It was missing parts. The parts kept the thing from being put together correctly. So the side of the bench is not attached to the top of the bench correctly. We called the company that made it and we tried to get the part sent to us. The part was not available. They said, we, we don't have replacement parts for it. You're going to have to return the bench. But we bought it through Amazon. So they said, you have to do it through Amazon. I called Amazon. I spoke to a person. And she said, what's the problem? And I have to admit to you, what the problem is, is that I don't want to take that bench apart and ship it back to them. Mm-hmm. But it was a couple of hundred dollars. And I can't afford to just eat it. So mm-hmm. she said, you need to ship it back to us. And I said, I can't. And she said, why? I said, I have no packaging material and it won't fit in my car. And she refunded my money and I'm going to use that money to buy another bench. That was a lie, Erica. I could absolutely return that bench if I wanted to. (laughs) I do not want to. It's not my fault that it showed up without parts in it. And I am not going to go spend the next two hours of my life ripping this thing apart, boxing it up and dragging it back to a UPS store. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't do this. So I made some sort of a moral judgment 
that I was more on the right side of this than the wrong side of it. And I told one <laughs> lie to get my money back. I have no trouble with that in the world. Now, would I walk over to my neighbor and tell him that I know his wife's cheating on somebody else because I think it would be fun? No, I would not do that. I would, right, not, I would right. not make up a lie like that. So that's my that's that's my line for lying. Um, so you have you have some limits. <laughs> I, have, I have what I consider to be a significant limit, but but <laughs> but um, you can pretty much trust. I would imagine if you were around me, you could trust that ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I am absolutely being honest. If I get pinched, I'll bend the truth if I have to. Now, mm-hmm. I always treat people the way I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I don't bend on. So. Um, I don't know. Like I don't know if that's a if those are rules or not, but to me they seem they, they seem like obvious things to do and I don't know why I even brought it up at this point. I just was interested. It's well, yeah, it's a belief value system that maybe prevents you from experiencing the the dis, the dissonance, the discomfort of how you you want your your beliefs and actions to align and when they don't that's when you experience the dissonance. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, you know, even this topic with you today, like these kind of like like many topics inside of this mm-hmm. hour. I mean, if we're all being a hundred percent honest with each other, I have the opportunity, just like you do, to see how people are really thinking, right? Because they'll come on here and tell a story, and they're pretty open about mm-hmm. it. Or I get to watch them online interact with each other when they don't know they're being watched, really, like kind of thing. Like it's not creepy. I'm like you just you're listening to what people are saying and how they're how they're impacting. Uh, and, and how these things are impacting their lives. And I'm telling you that from my perspective, a fair amount of the trouble people have managing their diabetes is based on how their brains are lying to them at times or mm-hmm. these things. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And no one's – I'm not aware of it. No one's aware of it as it happens. So you have to have these conversations so that hopefully something like morphs or clicks for you. You, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, because I think then where the, the, this this discomfort can then lead to the feelings of shame um, and stress or, or regret that you know that I might hear about in my office with with clients or caregivers of I'm I supposed to be doing this or I made this mistake I I bolus this way or I keep doing the same thing even though I know I shouldn't be. And I keep eating the same thing, and then my numbers go this way, and now and then I experience that discomfort because I know I, I feel like I shouldn't be. Because then you often have that should talk comes with the dissonance, and then you that leads to feelings of shame, and you can get stuck in that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to you know going back to it, let's be aware of those triggers and those initial thought patterns is one of the ways that we can kind of um, at least reduce some of that consistency and and negative thinking, which is painful. Talk a little more about the should, like uh, when something goes quote unquote Mm -hmm. wrong and you you think this is not how it should have gone. What happens then? Yeah. So I I think I hear that either whether there are rules around what you should and shouldn't eat. So if you're thinking I shouldn't have had the the cake. I shouldn't have had all the candy or I'm not allowed. If it's a more of a child saying, I'm not supposed to, I shouldn't have had that. And now I'm, I'm 500 or 300 and mm-hmm. I can't. And then I had a sticky high forever. And I couldn't bring it down. And then, so now you're, you're feeling frustrated about the high blood sugar 
you're feeling shame because you ate something that you felt you weren't supposed to, or you can eat anything you want and you didn't pre-bolus for it. Um, and so I think when we have that should talk in our mind, I think we want to look at why, what is that rule? What is the rule that I'm saying I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that? Should you have pre-bolused? Yeah, probably. Should, was it okay to eat whatever it was that you ate? Well, let's look at what is your family culture? Like, what is all of that about? Because um, I don't want to, I don't, I try not to place, you know, judgment on some families don't want to, you know, eat sugar and that's okay. Um, so the should talk can lead to positive change unless it's, it's around this kind of shame cycle of, I should have done a better job. I keep making mistakes um, and I don't know how, or I don't care. So should often does, can lead to change in some ways okay. if, if there is a desire, but I also am really careful to want to understand is there shame underneath the should talk. Okay. Does that make sense? No, it does. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say that back in the earlier part of the podcast, I would say more frequently that, you know, just eliminate drama because, mm-hmm. in my, because it was an easy blanket way of saying, avoid all these things that your brain's going to try to trick you into doing, you, you mm-hmm. know, like, because when you, when you make a bolus and it doesn't go right. And then people, this isn't fair. Like you spiral. Like no, I didn't ask for this. That that's one that I'm I'm always fascinated by. Like you know, di- type one diabetes is not fair because I didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my knee hurts. That's not fair. I didn't ask for it. I have floaters in my vision. That's not fair. I didn't like none of this is fair. You you know, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's never never going to be fair. Like you're born and then you grow and then your body starts to deteriorate. It happens at different speeds for different people it happens if you have you know different medical conditions it's going to hit you differently like i don't know what i don't know what spending time telling me it's not fair gets you like this is the situation you're in like i'm a make the most of it person like there, there are no other options you're here or you're not and so you're here and i'm not saying some people don't have terrible afflictions that are painful and and crippling and life altering like i'm not talking about those people those people uh, they should they should get three hours a day to tell people it's not fair and we ought to have to listen to them i'm talking about (laughs) you know what i mean like i mean that that would be that would be a little closer to fair i'm talking about you know you have allergies and you can't go outside without taking a zyrtec that's not fair but i mean just uh, take the zyrtec you you know what i mean you you live in this time you know i was uh, when my son was diagnosed with hashimoto's it, it hit him really hard And instead of, and during a car ride, when we spoke about it, what I told him was, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, we were pretty nomadic. People moved around a lot. I said, if you broke your leg, you were dead. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like, like the, mm -hmm. the, the, the group couldn't wait for you. And so you'd get left by yourself and an animal would kill you. Uh, take the synthroid. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, 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 I know this sucks and all. But the truth is, is that if this would have happened to you 200 years ago, you would have just like deteriorated very quickly. It would have been horrible. And instead, you have to take a pill in the morning. And so, you know, maybe 200 years from now, you'll go into a doctor's office and be like, oh, you got the Hashimoto's? That sucks. And they'll pull out a needle and jam it in you and it'll go away. Like, I I don't know where we're going to lead, you know, where this is going to go to. But in the meantime, there's no time machine. 
this is the this is the part you live in right now and diabetes specifically i mean i mean this is the it's literally the best time in history and mm-hmm. tomorrow will be the better than today and 6 months from now and and then people get caught up with well it's not happening fast enough and i was like no i get that but you know it's um this is it this is what you got you, you know so yeah yeah and it and just like with your son too with the hashimotos it it can be a journey or a process of yeah getting to that place of acceptance um and that there's there's no real specific timeline on how to get there um, beyond just kind of allowing yourself to feel what he was feeling. Yeah. But, but Erica, where's the, um, is this just a, um, a, a fallacy that we're becoming weaker as people or do you know what I mean? Because like, I, like I knew a guy when I was growing up, my friend's father, um, walked really poorly because of polio. He had polio as a kid. Mm. He's basically walking on the side of his foot and you know what he did for a living? He drove a tractor trailer. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. never in the history of knowing this guy heard him complain Mm -hmm. ever once. Like, like he just did it. Like now maybe his expectations were lower because of the time he grew up in and, Mm -hmm. and just maybe having not had the polio kill him was probably more than he could have hoped for. Like, I don't know exactly, but I'm just telling you, this was not a particularly tough guy. He was just from a time where you didn't complain about things. You just, mm-hmm. just did it, you know? And and I'm not saying that people should not try to alleviate their, their struggles. I'm certainly not saying that, but I'm, I'm wondering, is it, is there something about modern life that sets our expectations so high that anything that goes wrong seems like a, like a huge, um, what's the word I want? Um, like they, like they were lied to. Right. Right. You know, or do you have any thoughts on that at all? Oh my gosh. I feel like it's, that's a huge topic to discuss. I, yeah. Like, are we now in an era of either entitlement or expectation that nothing bad should happen to me? Mm-hmm. Well, we have 15 Versus, minutes, Erica. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, I was just, as you were talking about this man on the tractor trailer i'm wondering how much of our connection via social media has you know influenced or snowballed this issue of my either my life is better than yours or my life is harder than yours Mm -hmm. you know and and whether through images or words on all the, you know, socials um, in a comparison kind of way, um, even though we all know everyone has their own struggles. Um, so I just wonder how much that has, you know, exaggerated. So, so this is super that. interesting that you said this, Erica, and, and no, no, but I, I, every time we talk, I realize why we get along so well. <laughs> so I grew up a Philadelphia Eagles fan football. And we have the best defensive lineman in history at that point, Reggie White. And Reggie uh, leaves the Eagles and goes to the Packers at the end of um, of a contract. This is not something that used to occur back then. Like, so mm-hmm. free agency wasn't a thing in football up until I think it was another Eagles player, a tight end who went from the Eagles to the Dolphins. I think that's about when it started, okay? Not not the point. The point is this. 
It's when they started making their their salaries public. Public. Mm-hmm. And because they needed to, they needed people to know how much they made so other people could come and ask for more. Like they had to set up that structure. Pr- prior to that, it was all very, very kind of private. You didn't really know how much people made. When they started making those people's salaries public, suddenly a man like Reggie White, who people just adored, they hated him as soon as they learned how much he made. And and I thought, well, you were so much better off not knowing. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what I mean? Like, just go to the football game and enjoy the football game if that's what you like. Like, now you now you look at this guy. I forget what he was making back then. It was probably nothing compared to now. And <laughs> yeah. and but people who made twenty five, thirty, forty five thousand dollars a year were like, wait, I'm I work all year for forty grand, and this guy's making a half million dollars a week, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. And then they couldn't see him anymore the way they saw him. And then it just exploded from there. And we started becoming more and more aware of people who have lives that are just, if we're being honest, not average in any way. Mm -hmm. And now everybody thinks they should be making $7 million a year for doing the thing they're good at. And what I would tell you is whatever you're good at, if you can get 65,000 people to show up every Sunday for 16 weeks and pay you $300 to watch it, then goddamn right you want to make that much money but that's not how most of this works and and it's interesting because you said the same thing like you said social media gives us an awareness that we didn't have before of a life that isn't ours Mm -hmm. and that's exactly and people can't deal with that generally speaking or some people can't right and so and and either in response to that you're yet you're either mentally just comparing by viewing what other people are posting um or you're posting yourself you know we talked about that last time too of what yeah. what is driving that behavior um okay. i think there's just something to be you know to be aware of how much you're you're being influenced by that right exposure and how that's influencing your mindset of either gratitude and acceptance or or woe is me um, and Grant, you're, you will probably fluctuate between both of those things if you're, you know, living with a chronic illness, um, and that's okay. But I think just, yeah, having that awareness of how much that is influencing your mindset is is the key. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with seeing someone's salary and thinking like, oh, I wish I had that. That's that's amazing. You, you, you know what I mean? But but mm-hmm. you can't you can't then just then stop living your life because it doesn't exist for you. I saw something online recently, um, a person who made a movie years ago that was very, very popular is making another movie that's uh, I don't know, a sequel or something like that. And people are coming in and they're, you know, complaining and you know, shit, whatever. And I start reading the comments cause they're fun. And the one person says that movie you made all those years ago made me want to make movies. I dropped out of college, <laughs> never made a movie and it ruined my life. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, he's blaming the guy for making the movie over this. Like, <laughs> That's so interesting. Like, I'm I'm not kidding, Erica. It's 25 years ago. And, he, and this person is still thinking, the movie I saw and the story that I heard about how you made it, you ruined my life. And I was like, oh, God, like, that's... Mm. That's a horrible thing to have to live with if that's what he really thinks, you know. Um, right. That's, yeah, his narrative. Yeah. yeah. Really, really interesting. But anyway, I, the last thing that I have on the list here, I really don't understand a whole lot. It just felt like it fit. And if I'm wrong, you'll stop me. And But I can't in any way explain it. So if you can't, we're in trouble. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, myth of choice. 
Yes. Yeah. The myth of choice, the another choice myth, however you want to say it, the, um, I think the grass is always greener can be, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, another easy way to kind of explain this, you know, term that when you're faced with a hardship, oftentimes our mind will tell us, well, choosing this other alternative is going to be easier than the hardship that you're facing with now hard that you're faced with now. Okay. For example, the job is, you know, one that they often will talk about, or if you read about you're in a job that's hard and you start looking for other jobs because either you don't like your boss or you don't like your task list. And so you think, well, if I move to this other company doing the same job, it's going to be better. And you might initially have that. You So you make the, the different choice and you have hope and you have confidence in that choice because that's just natural response and you're doing something new. But then you're going to have another hardship and then you kind of end, you might end in a, in a more challenging position because you thought, oh, I thought this was going to be easier or better. And then you're going to have regret for leaving your job because maybe there were other positive things at your past job that were better than this new job. So anyway, and then you kind of will cycle through that. Um, I think there are other, you know, examples of, um, I liked the one that I just recently read about of when you're at a stoplight and your Google maps is telling you to go one way and you think, well, I'm going to go the back routes way and I'm going to get there faster. Like the unknown you think is often the better alternative. Mm-hmm. And so that's the myth, the myth of the other choice, because then maybe you take it, even though Google Maps has all these algorithms and they're saying, stay in this, this course, you take a different course because you think it's to be better. And in fact, it's, it's worse. <laughs> You're, uh, there's this way that we come home from, my, from a, an extended family member's house and you get to this certain stoplight, you go straight or right. And I always go straight and my wife always goes right. And we both at, like, like so far in two different cars. Right. And so we both completely believe that the one way is the better way. And yet uh-huh. we, we both arrive at the house almost simultaneously every time. <laughs> and, and when it happened, she's like, you sped. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And she's like, yes, you did. And I was like, no, <laughs> I think it just doesn't matter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But we both like, for, like, I, I sometimes, this is interesting, Erica, I sometimes when I'm by myself turn right at that light instead of going straight because it is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I do that to myself, but I force myself not to believe that I've made some superior choice at this turn. Um, oh, that's that's like a good exposure and practice to just try try new things. Is too. that what I'm doing in my car? I'm exposure <laughs> yeah, and practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, it's um, I, I don't know how this relates. It just seems like it does to me. Um, you know, big big examples are. I think this myth of a choice often ruins people's relationships. You know, because yeah, you, yeah. Know, you, you get married, you think everything's going to be perfect, and that's clearly not going to be what it's going to be. Um, and eventually, you know, something's going to happen where it, it tarnishes, etc. And then you start thinking like, oh, but that guy I used to date in college, like, he was better. You, you know what I mean? Or she mm-hmm. was better. I'm going to go to that one now. And the truth is, for me, I mean, my truth is, I believe that your history and the love that you've built and the... um 
I don't know, like the unseen, untangible, like like the tangible but not holdable ideas that you that that you um you know end up constructing when you're building a family or a relationship. Like those are valuable. Like they don't you know they don't make your spouse pick up dog poop when they walk past it. But you know, and, and, and Arca, do we all know somebody who will just like pretend the dog didn't poop so that somebody else has to pick it up, right? <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. So, but but. So sure, you might go to the girl at the gym who seems to love you because, you know, et cetera. But and sure, she might pick up the poop, but there'll be something else she's not going to do at some point. You're going to what are you going to do? You're going to go back to your wife and go like, I'm so sorry. Like, like, it's over now. You hurt feelings. You know what I mean? Not to say there aren't reasons why relationships should dissolve. I'm clearly not saying that. I just mean that if you start getting it in your head that everything's always better except for the thing you have, that's just a very dangerous way to live. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I think, and that's, you know, understanding. Yeah. What is the, if, if the problem at hand and oftentimes that does happen in relationships and I will meet with, with clients about that very topic um, and understanding, is it, is it because I have this hope that the next person's going to be better, shinier, et cetera? um, Or is it really just not the right fit? Um, yeah. relationally. Um, and that, you know, that takes time to kind of unpack. Um, I think one thing that we might do in, in diabetes, I think when you're trying to make a decision, um, let's say even just about, I'm trying to bring this back to, you know, yeah, if the, the, the other, the, the myth of the other choice, um, when you're trying to make a decision, whether it's about food or even like, you know, technology, that's a big topic that people will, I, you know, should I do this or that? Should I use this pump or that pump or this, you know, and there, or if you're using one, is the other one going to be better? Um, I think it's always important to just, what, if it's a small decision, pause, are you looking at, am I going to have this donut or am I going to have this banana? Mm -hmm. Like pause and just think through, is, am I making the right call here? Is this the right choice? If it's their bigger decisions, one of, you know, the classic strategies, writing, you know, doing the pro con list for both. I think if you're in a really intense situation, you're really stressed or really angry, it's often easier to say, well, clearly using this other product is going to be so much better or doing this other thing is going to feel better. So I think trying to delay making any major decisions or mm-hmm. even small ones, if you're in a moment of extreme stress, anger, exhaustion, fatigue, because that often will drive your decision. Yeah, it'll do what you uh, mentioned earlier. Like your frustration will allow you to believe that anything different is going to be better. Is going to be better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. No, Go that, ahead. That, I, I was just going to say, I mean, that's a great example in diabetes. I, I was going to use the one that, you know, it, 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 listen, nobody has to listen to me. Okay. I'm not a, <laughs> I just said, listen, you don't have to listen to me, which is hilarious. <laughs> poor, 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 poor sentence structure there. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, this is just my opinion, right? But leaving your blood sugar 200 all the time so that you don't get low. I don't think that's, mm, a, oh, yeah, that's yeah. not a real choice. That's, that's, you know, first of all, I think it's a little 
little confirmation bias because it just hasn't, ha- you know, I've never gotten low when I leave my blood sugar at 200. So this is obviously not going to lead to a low. It's not true. Eventually you're going to get, people get low when they use insulin. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of, it's like, to me, that's the smoking argument from earlier, right? Like mm-hmm. I can smoke as much as I want. It's not going to kill me. My dad, I, I've told you this before. My father would come back from like his physicals. Doctor says he can't even tell I smoke. And then, you know, what killed him congestive heart failure, which was directly Uh related to his smoking. So, you know, you can't leave your blood sugar 200 all the time and just go, well, I'm okay today. So this is a good choice because it, because I don't know how many people I got to bring on here for you to listen to who, you know, make that decision. And then 10 years later are on here saying, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, because now here, here are all the real world things that are happening to me that my magical thinking isn't going to take care of that I can't ignore and that, that medicine at this time in history can't make go away anymore. Like you, you know, sometimes you give things away, you can't get them back. I think is my point. Yes. I think that you kind of just tied in all the kind of maybe three topics that we've been talking about with the, if I let, I, I know the science and data tells me I shouldn't ride at 200, 250 all day, every day for years on end. But yet I feel comfortable there, or you've learned how to feel comfortable, but you might have had experience of feeling that dissonance or discomfort. So in response to that, your your new belief system is, well, I'm okay here. I'm either not going to have complications and I'm preventing myself from going low or having a seizure. So you've kind of changed your belief system in response to that number yeah. and living there, right? Um and that's, that is hard. <laughs> Perfect. Erica, I'm going to tell you something. Everyone listening, Erica just said something a minute ago, made my whole day. It's going to probably stick with me through the weekend because I, like other people, I need I need love. Um, I did do a perfect job of pulling that all together just now. <laughs> <laughs> you did, Scott. You I, did. I'm literally pleased with myself. Like you guys. You should. Like, no, here, here's why. Can I, can I, I pull the curtain back for a second? Sure. I have you for an hour one time, right? Before you go get your knee surgery. Yes. And I think, what's going to help people who listen to the podcast? And then with no psychological, like psychology, I didn't go to college, people. No psychology (laughs) background. I'm basically a moron. Do you know what I mean? Like, all I have with me is my life experience. I mean, honestly, if you saw me try to do, I'm going to say algebra, you probably would never talk to me again. Because you would like, oh, I don't want people to know I know him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, um, I, I don't have any background in this is what I'm saying. All I have is my lived experience and the experience I have talking to people and watching people online manage their diabetes, their their health issues, their relationships, that kind of stuff. And I know that people's brains lie to, lie to them. It's a weird way to say it. And it, I, it does. Mm-hmm. But I went online and I was like, okay. Like, if you think that prior to me setting this up with Erica, I could have defined cognitive dissonance, you're wrong. I know the <laughs> I, I know the idea. Mm-hmm. I recognize it as a human trait, but I don't know what it means. And then I thought, okay, well, there, that idea definitely fits with the concept that people think there's this magical thing that happens, that they can kind of control the world. Those definitely go together. And then I needed a third thing mm-hmm. to bring it together. And I was like, oh, the myth of choice, which is not something I knew about. It, you know, I just understood that that's how people think. Mm-hmm. And then luckily, somebody who was much smarter than me had already talked about it in the world. <laughs> and, it, and, oh. it, and, and it has a, and I knew you would know about it. 
And and that's all I that's all I knew when I brought those three ideas together. I wish I wish I was lying, but I put about 20 minutes worth of effort into this. And then I let you tell me what you know, and then I just tried to mirror back what I've experienced and and in the end people, you know, you got to take good care of yourself. And if you can't if you definitely can't find a way through it, go find somebody that can help you with it. And you know, if anxiety is your is your problem, I don't think it matters if it's because the world's changing or because whatever. It doesn't matter. People who are crippled by anxiety, that is very real. And you're mm-hmm. likely going to need help with that part. But mm-hmm. all these other things are swirling around you. And in my heart, I want you to make the decision. I want your life to go the way it, you know, the way is as fair as possible for you. And and the way that makes you the most comfortable and happy and productive and um I think it's important to know that your your thoughts are, uh, are letting you down sometimes. And there's there's conscious decisions you can make, like making a right turn instead of going straight. <laughs> I mean, God damn it, Erica, you know going straight. And be faster. kind and be kind to yourself in the midst of it all. Yes. And so you're saying when I pull into the into the driveway before my wife, I should not give her the fingers I'm pulling. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's what I'm saying. You should not do that. All right. Is there anything you'd want to add to this? Because I'm, again, a neophyte. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, I think that was a great, a great wrap up and summary. I think, you know, these are big terms. And if they're still confusing, there are lots of resources and talks and topics on all of them. But Basically, it is it's being aware of your thought patterns and and how they're influencing your actions is really kind of summing it up. Um, And that's really the first place to go. But being aware of that self-talk is is key. Good. How are you talking to yourself? Yeah. So thank you. Of course. And Erica, of course, if you live in California, here's the big are you we'll just say it here. We'll say it somewhere else, too. But, you know, Erica has been doing, you know, therapy for a long time, but she did it. Was it part time or just not your full? Uh, it was it was part time for for many many years. Um, as I also worked as a, a school counselor and school therapist. But, but now yes, you're abandoning it, those children, and you're. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I yes, I am in the process this fall transitioning to the full time private practice, which I'm really excited about. Excellent. So if you if you live in California, EricaForsyth.com. That's right. right. Thank you so much. And if you don't live in California. Go find your own Erica. I found her. You could find yours. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, yes. Right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. Thank you. Of course. First, I'd like to thank Erica Forsyth. Remind you go to ericaforsyth.com. And let you know that as soon as Erica's knee is all mended up and she's feeling better, we're going to record an entire series, a pro tip series, for mental health. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank US Med for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast and remind you to go to usmed.com forward slash juice box. Get better service and better care with US Med. You can also call 888-721-1500.
If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. And don't forget to subscribe in the app you're listening in. Some apps want you to subscribe. Some say to follow. Subscribe or follow, it means the same thing. Go into that audio app and hit subscribe. Doing that will help me. It will make the show more visible in other people's searches. And it will give you access to all the new content as soon as it's available. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.